Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. During Lent this year, we're going to be looking at the three articles of the Creed, the Apostles' Creed. To have a creed is to have something that you believe in. The word creed comes from the Latin credo, meaning I believe. And there's a reason we confess the creed, one of the creeds, every week, because in each of the three articles, we confess who we are in relation to God and who we're not, and how utterly dependent we are on God. In the first article, we confess that in both our creation and in our daily life, we are dependent on God. We say, God has made me and all creatures. When God, uh, in the second article, uh, we confess uh, that, uh, well, sorry, in the first article, uh, when we say that God has made me and all creatures, we're, we're, we're relating the story of Adam and Eve when God created Adam and Eve and, and each of us. And, and, and God's creation of Adam and Eve is not just a myth or a story or a legend. It's reality. God actually formed Adam out of dust. And so we are dust. In the second article, we confess that we were lost and condemned creatures, condemned to return to the dust. And in the third article, we see just how lost and dead we actually are, saying, I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. Of course, it's no secret that uh, today's culture, we don't like creeds. It makes us feel uncomfortable to confess that we are dependent. You heard me mention a week and a half ago in my sermon uh, that it's common to hear the phrase, I'm spiritual but not religious. It's the same idea. We don't like labels, creeds. We, we think labels are bad. They're like cages. But despite what we may think, we are very religious by default. Everyone has a religion. Everyone has a creed because everyone has a belief and everyone has a God. And unfortunately, most of the time, that God is me and I am not enough. I've had it happen to me uh, before that I've gotten lectures from complete strangers about the way that I should be doing something about different products I use. I even had a lecture one time about how, how I should arrange my office to make it more feng shui. Well, what would, think, uh, what would make somebody think that, that not only can they uh, lecture me about something like that or anybody else, but that they should? Well, because it's everything to them. It's meaning, it's purpose, it's that person's religion. There's a reason Jesus said in our gospel, do not store up treasures for yourself on earth because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our treasure is, is whatever we most admire or trust or look to for our help or comfort. If a person's heart is not in the right place, namely in God, as they attempt to fill the void left by the true Christian religion, and many people in today's culture are increasingly finding their identity 
and purpose in, in, in other things, uh, such as dating, uh, or parenting, or eating, or voting, politics. And there's a term for this, self-justification. It's, it's this idea to believe that you are enough, uh, that you are totally righteous in, in whatever it is that you're doing uh, or whoever you are. And, and not only that, but, but you've got to let other people know that you're totally righteous in, in, in everything. Uh, you've got to self-justify. This is the context of our gospel lesson for this evening from Matthew 6. Jesus is talking about a group of uh, Jewish religious leaders called Pharisees who believed that they were enough. They believed that they could keep God's laws well enough to gain salvation. And in particular, they really were big on, on keeping God's ceremonial laws, laws about worship, uh, so laws about prayer, uh, about eating, fasting, and, and almsgiving, or charity. But the reality was, and the reason God had given these instructions, was to show them <clears throat> that no one, could keep them well enough. Rather, they were intended to, to show mankind's utter dependence on God and to look instead for a Savior, for one who justifies them. But so, because you couldn't actually be justified in keeping the laws, what do the Pharisees do? They self-justify. They had to make it look like they were good enough and that they were keeping them well enough. They gave alms, they did charitable deeds, and as Jesus said, they sounded a trumpet before they did. They said, hey, everybody look at me, look at what I'm giving. Look at how much I'm giving. Look at all the good works I'm doing to these, these poor people. They prayed. And when they prayed, they prayed loud and out in the open so everyone would see them and hear them. They fasted, they, and they let everyone know they were fasting because they disfigured their faces. They, they rubbed on soot and, and dirt all over and all of this so that they might have glory, not in the sight of God, but in the sight of men, and be justified in the sight of people. Now, today you don't need to rub dirt all over your face in order to let people know how righteous you are. Today all it takes is a Facebook post, or a yard sign, or a conversation where you talk about how evil everyone else is on the other side of the political aisle. The pro this problem and this sin of self-justification is nothing new. And really, it's so burdensome to have, to have to edit our image to be anything other than what we really are, dust. David Zoll in the White Horse Inn said it this way, anytime you're editing or curating your own personality in order to get love or acceptance from another person, you're in justification mode. And, and to justify yourself is basically to assert that I'm valuable. I'm enough. I'm lovable for this reason. We do it in all sorts of ways. We do it by signaling our political beliefs. Uh, we do it, by, do it by dropping names at a party. We do it by putting a sticker on the back of our car. And it casts an illusion of righteousness. And so whatever you're righteous about is the place that you're looking to tell you that you're okay, that you're enough. You're righteous in some respect. But of course, if we truly were enough, then we wouldn't need the virtue signal that we are. We wouldn't need to tell people that, that we are enough. We simply would be. 
And as we come up on a year of the lockdown measures, there are so many things this past year that reveal just how self-centered we all are and how much we need to be justified from the outside. Because often our, our response is to excuse ourselves, to let everyone know why it is that what we're doing is right, rather than to repent. And if you recognize this tendency in you, let this Lent be a call to you, just as it is to me, to repentance. And consider again what Jesus says. Jesus goes through each of these works of piety and he says, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet. Don't even let the, your left hand know what the right hand is doing. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And when you fast, don't make yourself look sad, but anoint your head and wash your face so it's not apparent to people that you are fasting. Now these three things, almsgiving, charity, or almsgiving, charity, prayer, and fasting, are the three traditional pillars of Lenten piety. And they are good things, but they don't justify. They don't save. No amount of giving or praying or fasting can justify or save. But that doesn't mean they aren't good things to do. It's why Jesus says, when you do these things, because the assumption is that you are. In fact, these are all great things to do. If you want to go grow deeper in your appreciation for what God has done for you and, and grow deeper together with other Christians, these dip, disciplines are a great thing. In fact, we've got a guide on our church website if you're interested in learning more and participating in them. And I encourage you to check that out. It's been said that Lent is not a time for doing things that we've never done before. It's not a time for spiritual dieting. Rather, like every Sunday, Lent is for intensifying things Christians do all the time. Lent is a time for more giving. Lent is a time for more praying, and yes, even for more fasting. And all, all of these just show how much we need God and other Christians. Our Lenten practices serve to remind us of our complete dependence on the Lord. And if we find these practices of Lent to, to be harder than we thought, if we find praying harder or giving harder than we thought, it just means that we're recognizing how much more we need the Lord than we thought. Lent intensifies our confession, our creed, that we have no power to save ourselves, that all our righteousness is rubbish, and that Christ alone saves. Lent is the proclamation that we are far worse sinners than we ever dared to imagine, and yet more deeply loved than we ever dared to hope. We don't need to justify ourselves before others. Rather, as St. Paul says, we need to be reconciled to God. And in Christ, we are. God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are totally righteous. We are totally justified through Jesus. Not by our own doing, not by our own virtue signaling, but not by gold or silver, 
but by Jesus' perfect life and his innocent suffering and death. As we focus, as the Apostles' Creed directs us, on our utter lack to justify ourselves and our complete dependence on God, by faith we actually realize that, that we have everything that we need. We have God, and that is enough. Lent in the Christian life itself not, it becomes not just a bunch of rules, but it becomes freeing and enabling. Jesus said, then your Father who sees in secret, what, sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is not an earthly reward. This is heaven. And, and as Jesus teaches elsewhere in Matthew, this reward is based on God's own promise, not on your and my merit, not on the amount of work done. Any reward our Heavenly Father gives us is an expression purely of His grace. We confess that eternal life is a reward, something due to us because of God's promise, not because of our merits. And if we, as Jesus said, store up treasures for ourselves in heaven rather than on earth, we begin to learn how God will take care of everything else on earth as well. And so, as the explanation to the creed says, for everything God has done for my creation and preservation, I am in duty bound to thank and praise to serve and obey Him. For everything Jesus has done for my redemption and salvation, for my justification, I am His own. And I get to live under Him in His kingdom and serve Him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, even as He is risen from the dead. And for everything the Holy Spirit has done in bringing me to faith and to life. At the last day, when, when moth and rust have destroyed everything else on earth, and my body has returned to the dust and ash, He will raise up me and all the dead, and will grant me and all believers in Christ eternal life. This is most certainly true. In Jesus' name, Amen.